0: In worship, I get to play piano and guitar sometimes, and uh, there's music that's good, and there's music that's great, and there's music that's mediocre. But how we do them, uh, what I'm mindful of, is arranging a piece of music and getting very quiet. Or this Sunday, we're doing a pretty simple one that has a rich D chord with a drop D tuning. You're going to think, oh, that guitar sounds really full. That is a feeling. (laughs) You have a cognition of, oh, my son and it's a feeling. Welcome to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. I'm Don Schrum, uh, talking here in Episode 8, more about feelings with Jordan Warnches and how we experience uh, that feeling and relaying those, uh, both in worship and in music. When, when we all come in, or when it, it, later on, we're gonna drop out all the instruments and suddenly you can hear the congregation singing by themselves is a powerful feeling. It's an emotional moment. If I had it, and we sometimes do, then you want to bring in the Hammond organ on the last part that's that mid, right in your chest vibration. Listen to your favorite rock and roll music, and you'll think, why do I love this? It's because of the choice of instruments and when or when not they're being played in, introduced. It's the arrangement. All those things go into worship leadership. In the Mm -hmm. Sanctuary as well, we've got to come around and do the handful of hymns that we all know well enough because when we know them well enough, we're somehow freed beyond ourselves in a typical way. So we're not just up singing, something else is released in us. Mm -hmm. And that's when we do have some folks in the congregation raise their hands a bit because you're feeling it, you're feeling elevated. In the band, we share looks back and forth. Because we know part of because what we have done intentionally because we're good at this one because we've practiced our parts and part we understand uh, we feel it uh, when the spirit descends and we think uh, we've arrived somewhere, yay, yay! Yeah. Yeah, we We yeah. wish we'd do more often.
1: Yep. And all that's important. I mean, you know, I can get cynical about emotional manipulation, but also realize. All of that stuff we plan every week. We're trying to create some kind of experience for people to experience God, the spirit moving in them. Yes. Um, So you could call that emotional
0: manipulation. Our use of silence, of flow.
1: Yep. I guess I kind of think about it in terms of movies are, uh, they have music visuals Sometimes reading on the screen. Like it's the only platform that has everything in one, right? <laughs> Beautiful.
0: And why you love movies. Uh-huh. It's got the cognitive and the voices and the yep. narrative and as the visuals that are sometimes literal reading, often mm-hmm. not, often symbolic, inviting us into something different. Yep. With an underscore.
1: Yeah. And those work in a certain way. <laughs> uh, the score and everything wants you to feel something yes. at a certain point, right? At the end of Top Gun Maverick, when they land and everything, I'm like pumping my fist in the air like, yeah.
0: Standing <laughs> up, people in the theater saying, sit down. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> yes, it's worked on you. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan tells me that sometimes the music in these podcasts gets a little loud. (laughs) That's because I'm putting it underneath and I know that choosing the right music is key and introducing and taking out the music creates a different event in the listener's experience that is emotive. Yep. That can add... Or subtract. Actually, for me, it's almost the change that does it. Right. So, whatever good stuff you're telling me now, if I put music under it, it feels some other way. I take the music out, and now you're just talking in silence. Also, mm-hmm. another way. All manipulation. I yeah. don't even know where it's going half the time.
1: I guess better way. To reframe it for myself, instead of thinking about emotional manipulation, it, I can just call it emotional storytelling. All right, uh, we're telling a story with how we're how we're asking people to feel in a certain moment, uh-huh, right?
0: Uh uh-huh. um, Upbeat, rowdy music makes us feel up. Quiet yep. makes us feel Ill- introspective, or possibly even sad. Yeah. We don't do much lamenting. I shouldn't say that. We're coming up on Ash Wednesday. Uh The one day of the year we get to exercise a muscle called lamenting Uh and pair that with divine presence. It's not just guilt and shame. It's not just down for me. It's a richness of saying, no, we should recreate this more often. Yeah.
1: Most people would just call that sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We don't have a lot of words, do we? I know. So... (laughs) Up or down, black or white, you happy or sad.
1: Funny story to go with that is, uh, (laughs) this is going to tell on me a little bit of. uh, We like that. In therapy, I learned very quickly, men, us men do not know how to access our emotions. Usually everything comes out in anger. If we're sad, no. we get angry. If we feel threatened, we get angry. If we,
0: you know, it's a cover for a lot of
1: things. Yes. Yeah. And my therapist handed me this sheet, uh, a feelings yes, wheel. I've seen it. And I hate it so much. I was like, Do you think I'm a child? She's like, Point, point Second to the great grade. Where are you? <laughs> Shut up.
0: Exactly. Your anger comes out. <laughs> yes, I get it. I get it.
1: So the wheel has. So it's broken up into the large, like, sad, angry, scared, yeah, yeah. Uh, those type of things. But then inside of those are even smaller, more yeah. specific yeah. emotions, like um, maybe in scared, one of the smaller ones is anxious or uh-huh. things like uh-huh. that. And I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, with worship, those are different emotions we want people to feel. We want people to understand their emotions. So basically when we say lament, a lot of people think, oh, just sad. Well, no, Uh, lament is one of those smaller ones that communicates something larger. It it is sad, but it's sad that things aren't the way they are supposed to be. And we're crying out to God and saying, There we go. It's
0: a whole category of scripture here. stinks. Literally a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And preaching. (laughs) We try to... Make our make it less cognitive, help people get out of their heads by coming up with a story. Yeah. Or having a flow to the ideas that take us to an illustration that then registers in the heart. And you've had the same experience of someone because I loved your sermon, and you know what they're really saying is they love that story you told three-quarters of the way through. Right. Uh, that resonated with them, and, and you can sometimes guess why. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Uh. Either people hear something in your sermon— And that connects with them on an emotional, personal level. And so now now they're putting their own meaning onto it, right, in (laughs) some way? Yes, yes. And then, or they hear something that makes them upset, and now they're not listening anymore (laughs) because they're just focused on... It's a
0: fine line. You do it at your own risk, don't you, getting a little emotional?
1: Mm -hmm. I remember one specific time somebody... uh, that isn't around here anymore, uh, came up to me and said, yeah, that sermon was great. And they start talking about uh, their takeaway and, and what they heard from it. And uh-huh. I'm sitting there, I'm like, what oh was- no, <laughs> that is <laughs> not what I was saying. Not where I was going. Uh, but it's kind of yeah. a living thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are going to hear what they want to hear. Maybe the Spirit is speaking to them on what they need to hear from it. Uh, that may not necessarily be our purpose. Right.
0: Look at previous episodes if you want to hear Jordan and I talk about the foolishness of preaching uh-huh. and what we try to do and what goes into a sermon. Yeah. Um, some of those same issues.
1: When I write a sermon, I'm like, what do I want people to take away from this? Right. Huh? What's the, em- in other words, what's the emotion I'm trying to evoke? Am I trying to evoke the emotion of repentance, emotion of anger, right. uh, lament? <laughs>
0: In preaching, I think almost always, uh, I'm not so much trying to provoke in them an emotion as I'm trying to be authentic and real. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking a chance at being a little vulnerable and transparent and letting them know what this story, either in the scripture or what my reflections later in a life episode Mm -hmm. feels like as I retell it or as I remember it from a year or 10 ago. And I, I go there nervously. I spend a lot of time by myself on the trail where I'm preaching, where I'm even talking out loud, but where I'm trying things out. And, and, and every now and then I'm on something that's too hot, and I realize I can't say that. Mm-hmm. When I tell that story, even on the trail, when it's just me and God and Julie up 30 yards who hopefully can't quite hear me, uh, it brings me to tears, and I think, no, I'm still very undone by that are usually, I'm still too damn mad about that. I dare not go there from right. the front uh, during a sermon.
1: Yeah, so you're aware of the emotions in yourself.
0: Exactly. When, and, while preaching. And, yeah. I, and I get <clears throat> that what resonates, what makes for good preaching, is some of them discover uncovering, I should say, is discovery on my part, uncovering in front of them. Mm-hmm. But it also feels, I'm aware of, is this manipulative? If I'm aware that it's happening, am I shutting down inside? How much do I trust the congregation versus a few friends who I'm looking at who are paying attention that I can afford to let down a little more? I'm Uh off script now, that Uh kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and there's a fine line, too, of uh, trying to discern, is this my own issue, my own emotion around this?
0: That I don't need them to have. This is my thing. I better get back into counseling. yeah.
1: Yeah, or, or is this something that people need to understand? That, that can be hard. Oof. And
0: by need to understand, they should also feel something about it. It does matter in people's yes. lives, for example, like their pastor's life.
1: Yes. And, and then when you're looking at the text, you ask the question, is, is this just my own emotions working into this uh-huh. or Will they is this, this really what the, sure. the text is lifting up oh to boy. us oh boy there's yeah. a
0: great exegesis eisegesis question about what we're taking out of the passage versus what we're projecting into
1: yeah um, yeah because i don't preach on the passages i don't like the message exactly.
0: <laughs> why would i do that It's not quite that way. Sometimes I'm drawn to those because then my emotion can be, I struggle with this text. I'm mad at Jesus. This is a really awkward text. What I don't preach on are the ones that leave me cold, Mm. that do nothing for me. And then I think, oh, I have no no avenue in. I can't preach. I could write a sermon on this. I wouldn't want to preach a sermon because it's just just cognitions or thoughts. You're not connecting to it. I'm I'm not connecting to it. Yeah.
1: That's a big part of it is connecting with the subject matter. In that moment. Because that helps you be a better preacher.
0: Absolutely. Which was really much more telling uh, when I was preaching twice on a Sunday, doing two services uh-huh. for a significant part of my career. Yeah. When second service, you're thinking, oh, God, I got, I got wrapped up first service, or I was emotional. Too. Second service. Something happens, and sometimes it's just cold, and you think, oh, that didn't go well. Or it's not. you feel like it's not echoing in the congregation enough. Uh-huh. Or vice versa, by second service, you know what you really want to say. You add a few more sentences pointed, and then you get to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a free range of emotional, I don't know where it's always going to take me. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not till I'm saying it out loud. This is I can't tell if this is, by the way, the problem with introvert preachers. Maybe you know as an introvert that... Uh, when you say it out loud oh it didn't sound that way in my head now that it's my voice resonating in my chest i hear it bouncing off the back walls with these people in the room dang that lands yeah and that that captures me and pulls me away sometimes
1: mm-hmm. this is what we're afraid to say from the pulpit conversations on preaching and authenticity this is just reminding me of of uh, something you said to me Early, maybe that first month we were working together. Um, No, I think it was back in December when I gave my sermon on uh, not feeling at peace.
0: Right, your own vulnerability.
1: Yeah, and you had said, This is an introvert problem. (laughs) But you may feel like, because on the inside for you, your emotions and everything's going crazy.
0: You're in fire.
1: But that's not
0: how it appears. Right. Yeah, that's a
1: problem. Um, because I think back to uh, Russ's last service, and I had to do the liturgy of dismissal of God, the pastor heavy. from the congregation.
0: Gratitude and grief. The most... Uh, you were nobody cool. should do that. <laughs> you were cool as a cucumber. I washed it. Well, and, it, and I know it was a lot for you.
1: Right. So it was asking the congregation, do we release, uh, release all yeah. that stuff?
0: from the service of dissolution. Our church family is constantly changing. People come and go. Babies are born. Children grow up. People commit themselves to one another. Loved ones and friends among us come to the end of their lives. Individuals move into our community and church life. Others leave us moving away to new places, new experiences, new opportunities. It is important and right to recognize these times of passages, of endings and beginnings. Today, we share the time of farewell with a friend who is leaving. In a prayer, I bid you to pray with me now for the mercy of the Lord. For things not finished, congregation responds, Lord have mercy, the pastor says. For expectations not met, be present Lord, the congregation responds. For wounds not healed, be present Lord. For gifts not given, Be present, Lord, for promises not kept, the pastor says. Be present, Lord, responds the congregation. And later, for wounds healed, expectations met, gifts given and promises kept, congregation, be present, Lord. For each other and for God's love which has sustained us, be present, Lord and the pastor. And now our journeys lead us on in separate ways, yet always bound together with all who call Christ Lord. Go in peace, and the congregation go in peace.
1: And so the emotions came up, and I kind of had to pause before I went through it. And then I kind of t- went through it. In my mind, people can't understand me because I'm, I'm cracking, I'm, I'm starting getting to, uh, emotional. My you know, words and am Right, um, wow. but then I went back and listened to it. I was like, oh, I, no, no. <laughs> there's probably f- like two people Stop. that noticed I was In getting emotional row. up there because I just like stuffed it down, you know? Exactly. Uh, so like, yeah, it feels a lot bigger inside of me than oh. it comes out on the outside.
0: That ceremony is killer because I'd just gone through it with Genesis, the same words that oh. have things like uh, forgiving this pastor for what didn't happen while they were here. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff, and yes, very emotional.
1: So, I, I need to learn how to let myself express some of those emotions in a bigger, not a bigger way, um, just more authentically, because I will to kind relax
0: of, a little more, be a little more extroverted with them.
1: It's okay. I mean, maybe part of it is, and I wonder if Eric ever listens to this. <laughs> But he got the reputation of the weeping pastor. Eric Holm did. Yeah, yeah, around here. And it a great
0: guy. Was he more in touch, more willing to go there?
1: Yeah, and he would just choke up a lot. All right, um, uh-huh. And so I, when I took over this role, I was like, well, I don't want to
0: be the, known You're as the weeping reactive. pastor. You, you, yeah, we know him so as I, the cold SOB who never shows right.
1: us. Yeah. So I kind of tried Interesting. to uh, push it off when it comes up. Uh <laughs> Even at, at Russ's retirement service when Eric was there, uh, I kind of oh, right. leaned, leaned over to him because I noticed he had been crying already and he wasn't even speaking yet. And so I was you like, are, so are you, are, are you going to cry are up there? Okay? And he laughed and we had a good laugh about
0: right. it. If we go right to Ash Wednesday texts uh-huh. where it says, let the priest stand between the people on the altar and weep. Mm-hmm. Because the priest knows especially how deeply screwed up we all are. Yeah. That's what God is showing them in that moment. Yeah. Um, that makes us a little uncomfortable.
1: I had to go back for my uncle's funeral a couple years ago, and I knew the pastor who was presiding over the service I actually went to high school with him. Wow. And he, he started getting emotional and, and crying, talking about how his grandfather had a connection with my oh, uncle and big everything story. um and afterwards I was so critical of it I was like listen <laughs> and this is my own thing cuz in my mind some if you're if you are the pastor presiding over the funeral yes. the family is looking to you for that comfort strength. and control right and so a, if you start yes, to fall that apart can be a
0: problem.
1: everybody's going to fall yeah. apart yeah. um and so for me it, going into funerals I'm always like I'm the one that has to keep mm. it all together for everybody. Um, but, you know, my family kind of said, I think my older brother said, well, it's kind of nice, you know, they're they are giving permission in a way.
0: And felt like he knew your uncle then.
1: Uh-huh. And, and then it gives other people permission, like, it's okay to cry. You know, right. the pastor's up sure. there crying. You can cry too. So that's my own issues around it. a place for it. Right. But, I, you know, people could, hey, maybe people can write in
0: <laughs> well,
1: and give well, their preference of what they think. Well, do they think pastors should, should cry or cry not? And it? how yeah. often?
0: Yeah. Well, schedule. Um, vulnerability, authenticity. Authenticity when you know you're on display. What a dramatic, weird thing we do. We even sometimes have costumes for it, like robes and stoles and crosses. Uh, and ties. Jordan refuses to wear a tie, of course. I hate ties. Um, and so we we do put on we do put on this thing and play a role. We are actors, and I'm up front like a good actor, having authentic feelings. And it is up to me. Mm-hmm. I can squelch those or relay them in a number of ways.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that you do well is you can you can see the excitement when you're into what you're talking about. Uh, oh. It just permeates
0: uh even <laughs> wow that's one of the nicest things you've ever said <laughs> thank you this is what well, this podcast is worth my while. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's one but the ar- there's arcane things that yeah. tickle me pink and that open up and why i'm still doing this job
1: and i think i have my problem is i'm not in my mind I'm not showing enough emotion uh, in sermons. I'm not showing when I'm getting excited about oh, right. something. So I'm not showing when I'm upset about it. Like, I'm pretty stoic in a lot oh, of right. ways. Right. Uh, so trying to practice to have that come out, because I think that does influence people.
0: By the way, you were gone on Sunday. Someone later came and said, great sermon. Um, boy, you're hyper, is what they say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about of your excitement, you know? What? Even if even if people don't connect with what you're talking yes. about, at least they can say, um, "Well, he's excited yeah. about it." You
0: it know. matters somehow. This tall, bald guy's loud up front about it. Yeah. Yes, there's that energy piece I try uh-huh. to bring to it.
1: Yeah, uh, and so those are some things I'm trying to work on huh. as a
0: pastor. Of, you are very even. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's my personality too. Some of that's from uh-huh. trauma. Some of that's from. <laughs> wow. <laughs> some of that's. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm a nine on the enneagram, so I'm very much peacekeeper. So I'm not going to well, get too de- oh, excited about go. things. That's your trying job to... is to be in between, right? And my job is to level things out. That's also middle child syndrome, maybe. Uh, All right. You're trying to. You're not
0: breaking new ground like the oldest. Right. You
1: just you don't want to rock the boat. You want to keep it steady.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do we make the PNC put preferences of the enneagram on the MIF <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the new person comes to fulfill this role in a few months? It matters what Uh kind of preacher you are. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I need to work on that stuff a little more Mm -hmm. of like showing, showing the emotion, excitement.
0: Watch for episode nine released next week when we'll finish up our conversation around the important role of emotions in ministry. Thanks for listening.